At the center of the universe, at the border between the light and the dark, stands Castle Grayskull. For countless ages, the heroes of Grayskull have defended the universe against the forces of evil. Walk through the Hall of Living Pictures and learn the history and mystery of the masters of the universe. Dive deep into the mythology of Eternia, Etheria, and more. For those who know the stories of Grayskull will come to power. The power to be supreme. The power to be all-knowing. The power to be... Legends of Grayskull. Welcome to episode 16 of Legends of Grayskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, She-Ra, Eternia, Etheria, Primus, Nordor, Golden Books, Ladybird Books, UK Annuals, Comics, Mini Comics, anything and everything you can think of with that He-Man, She-Ra, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power logo. I'm Matthew Dooch. I'm here with Mr. Clean. How are we doing today, Sean Skamarna? <laughs> Uh, I just realized why bald men don't headbang. <laughs> we look like cue balls doing the follow the word thing when people do the uh, the music and stuff like that. Oh, the old uh, Disney sing along. Yeah, the Disney sing alongs and all this stuff. Yeah, here's the little boom. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's like in it. Yes, it's like yes. if you're a bald man <laughs> and you start headbanging, people are like, "Oh, you're from the '80s. You probably paid pong, you know, <laughs> or something." It's no good. No good. It's no so, good. Oh, how are we doing today? Uh, I'm, I, I created my own character tonight. He's Gerbor, <laughs> the most powerful baby face in the universe. So, oh, yeah. you, Otherwise. <laughs> for those of you listening on the audio, uh, Sean decided to go clean shaven. And I think this is the first time <laughs> since we started hanging out together that I've seen him clean shaven. So it took me a little by surprise tonight. <laughs> took off five years and made my face a lot rounder, which is yes. really weird at the same time. <laughs> so it oh. is what it is. It is what it is. Ah, yeah, it is what it is. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Uh, we are here. We are ready to discuss Masters. Um, before we get going, though, and there, there's no good segue into this, unfortunately... Um, but it did seem appropriate that we take a minute here and talk about some unfortunate news that came out uh, in the past few days, and uh, uh, that is obviously the unfortunate and untimely death of uh, Rene Chavez, who was a lifelong Masters fan. Uh, he contributed to Dark Horse books. He... Mm-hmm. Uh, he was an aspiring author, a, a teacher down in Texas. He had, you know, he left behind a, a wonderful wife and daughter, um, and he was a co-host with you on Council of the First Ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he was the one that actually interviewed me when uh, they put out the call for, yeah. hey, if you'd like to be in podcasting and you like masters. And uh, I got to talk to him, and within the first, like, five, ten minutes, he's like, we really want you on the show. And I'm like, me? You know, like, I didn't yeah. figure I had a like to stand on, and here it is. So, um, yeah, it, it was a shock 
to me and to the other co-hosts on uh, on uh, Council of the First Ones, uh, he we heard he went in with pneumonia, mm-hmm. and then it's it's not pneumonia, and then we heard okay he was in the ICU, and then okay he's out of the ICU, and then all of a sudden it just went from good to the worst possible uh, take on it that you could imagine. And the community in general has lost a really good guy in the last week. And um, I know they started a GoFundMe uh, to help out with his family. Uh, If you want to have any information on that, Kelly Edmonds, who is the host of uh, council of the first ones is a really good person to talk to about that. But I have seen people, sharing it throughout the master's groups on Facebook in the last few days. So it's floating out there. If you want to do GoFundMe and just uh, probably just put his name in there and, and uh, well, something I'll, should come up. I'll go ahead. I'll or, search out the link and I'll, I'll put yep. it right in the comments down below. If there anyone wants to help out uh, his yeah. family with the costs and everything, uh, go ahead, follow the link down below. Uh, we should, we'll throw yeah. it out on the legends of Grace school Facebook page after we get done here too. We'll, yeah. We'll get it out that yeah. way too. Um, so I, um, I never really had much dealing with him one on one, but like mm-hmm. you know, he was he was uh, a basket case on the for dot uh, org forums. <laughs> like I remember that username from way back when, and mm-hmm. you know, just listing them and everything else and hearing everyone's stories about it. He was a great member of the community, great stand up guy, and uh, he yeah. will be missed. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, he gave me a break, which was awesome, but at the same time. The, the amount of people in, a, in like less than a year I've gotten to talk to that have been involved in Masters because yeah. he could reach out and talk to these people. And he had connections like that, like uh, William Stout, for instance, the Mark and, Mark and Rebecca Taylor, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Roger Sweet. Actually, the episode before that, because we decided, OK, <laughs> Taylor had to be on right <laughs> after that because of what he was saying. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Tim Seeley about the multiverse. And we had we and uh, Dan Frega on top of that, too. He the, the artist on the first half of the multiverse books and all that. So it's like we definitely got to meet quite a few people just through him having his connections and all that, which was amazing as well. Um, it'll be weird. I'm going to be recording a tribute episode to him actually this weekend with the rest of the sure. council. So it's going to be really weird. So if you knew him. That would be a good episode to tune in on. We're going to record that on Sunday. It should be out next week then um, for everybody to listen to. And, you know, if you want to share your thoughts or whatever on the Facebook page as well, feel free because he had a really good reputation in the community from what I've gathered. And I I always thought he was a good guy. So I've heard nothing but good things. And uh, Renee, you know, we wish you a good journey in the afterlife, mm-hmm. man. You will be missed. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, I know in the last, it hasn't been quite a week yet. It'll be a week on Friday that we got mm-hmm. the news. And I've been thinking of his wife and Kelly and his daughter. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those, you don't know what to say when these moments happen. I've gone through how many people that have died in my life. And every time it's like you still don't know the right thing to say to make anything make sense, you know. So, but uh, no, we like you said, good journey, Renee. We um, and you know, I I I thank you for giving me the chance and gave me the bravery to do this show, 
and it's giving me the bravery to think of other things that I haven't had a chance to get to yet. But yeah, <laughs> he was he was definitely a catalyst in me doing what I'm doing right now and enjoying it. So. I don't think it ever gets any easier, unfortunately, no matter how many times you go through it. Um, no. And and it's it's good in that reason because you shouldn't be used to people that you care about leaving. You know, like even when they're ready, there is that element of, but you're not, you know. And in the case of Renee, unfortunately, you know, he's he's just a little older than me. Yeah. So that's like that's way too soon. That's not you know, that's not right, you know, and yeah. Even for people like my dad, he was in his 80s. And yeah. even then it was like, hey, can I get a couple more years out of here? You know, there's that element of, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're never ready for that person. So yeah. It's just that yeah. simple. But yeah. And I'll put it out there, guys. I mean, we don't, we don't talk about it much on the show, mainly because I deal with it all day long, being out in the public, you know. Um, and and we're, this is our escape. But uh, for, for once, I will break through there and say you know uh wear your masks wash your hands uh stay inside as much as you can help stop the spread i mean it's just uh, do what you can i understand there are things that people have to go out for um you know those of us that have to work we still have to go out there trust me i get that but it's the little things you can do that just could make a world of difference to some families. So. Definitely. Yeah. It's, and, and that was the thing too. Like uh, he, I know he was out when, after Texas was saying they're reopening mm-hmm. and Texas kind of has done their own thing. And yeah. this is what happens, you know, and uh, he, he shouldn't be gone. It's just that simple. He just should still be here. And, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a respect thing, and it's looking after each other. You know, trying to trying to do what you can for others at this point. Uh, yep. How everything's That's all going. You can do now. <laughs> yep. So, what would he man do? He'd look after everybody. He would try to make sure everybody got home at the end of the day. What would you know? That's that's the whole point at this point. So. Yep. And he'd wear his proper not to armor. trivialize it. He, he would. Had an he armor wear his for every occasion. <laughs> Unless if it was filmation, then every every occasion just was that that was it. Boom, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one stop shop, baby. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was definitely a huge news thing that came out last week. And then beyond that, um, uh, I've seen yeah. lots of people have origins figures now. Yes, so there's that as well. <laughs> I know there was even there was even a a Walmart in Georgia that actually I think it was Georgia or Alabama one of them had the actually had Skeletor on the shelf so Mm -hmm. um, and honestly looking at my local Walmart because I've been stopping in there a little bit more than I usually have um, they look like they're getting ready to do a not a full reset because you can tell when they're doing a full reset because those shelves get down to bare bones. But there's lots of empty space, so I'm thinking we're all going to see it sooner rather than later. It seems like they're getting ready to do, do one of their mid uh, mid quarterly resets. Um, mm-hmm. They're just they're just not restocking anything. Like I picked up uh, the real Ghostbusters. I actually wiped out the shelves, and not even for me. I was helping other people out, 
Um, and they haven't put a single one back out yet. It's been empty for hmm. three weeks now. So that usually means they're getting ready to do something. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I actually saw, um, I think it was Joe, Joe Amato actually got uh, He-Man. Yeah, he and he posted the photo of it and all that the other day. And uh, the one that amused me, I think, the most was uh, Toy Bro. He got a he Mind got the well he got the He Man figure, but then what he did, which is what this gave me the idea, it's almost like the backwards version of this. He took <laughs> the boots off of Dare because those okay. boots, are, the coloring is really similar to the way they're going with Origins sure. for those boots. And he put them on the He-Man, and now the He-Man is almost as tall as a Classics figure compared to him being a 5.5 figure. And when I saw it, and he said he's put on his big boy boots, and it looks <laughs> way better with the Classic boots on, in my opinion, than it does with the way that the boots are uh, yeah, for yeah. Origins. But there's still elements of like the proportions there that I'm like, yeah, I still can't unsee those knees <laughs> and the thighs aren't as long as it should be. And it's like my yeah. head just goes artistic on it and the proportions and the scale. And I'm just like, that helps, but it still isn't what I hope it'll be. So I don't you, know. You, you know what bugged me is I saw uh, David Clark, actually, he had... I think he's got them all, uh, including the Prince Adam and the Sky Sled he got already. And mm -hmm. uh, Prince Adam comes, unfortunately, comes with the pink sword again, which I still never understood. <laughs> but, but the kick, the kick in the butt is his pink power sword is that full sword without the uh, the handguard. Like they used on the San Diego exclusive. It's not the half sword like comes with He-Man and Skeletor. You kind of get the feeling Mattel just doesn't <laughs> know what they're doing sometimes. I mean, like, I'd rather have that because I'm betting that it's probably a full sword then. I'm betting That's what I'm it's saying. It's the, it's the full sword. It is, it's, it's the full like, sword. It's just like the one that came uh, in the exclusive two-pack. But it's pink. So... Now, why so didn't you? <laughs> why didn't you put a gray power sword in there? Because Adam has never actually used a pink power sword in any media. So I, uh, why didn't you put the gray power sword in there? So then you're getting like, okay, you get the half sword with He Man, but then you can have the mm -hmm. whole sword with Adam, and then you can mix and match and do whatever you want. Like, oh. you kind of get the feeling that Mattel doesn't know what they're doing. I mean, <laughs> that. For, for starters, I know that it's a part of being the the vintage where he has the pink power right. sword and all that. But when I was a kid, the minute I got that thing, that sword got put into the box that I had all my other figures in. <laughs> and I just put He-Man sword in there because it's like, no, that's how it works. You know? Right. But I I still it's it's such an eyesore for me to look at the new sword in He-Man's hand and to go, great. So I have a half a sword. And then I got these weird chicken pock marks up the sword to attach it to Skeletor. Yes. It annoys me. I, I, it's like you said, it, it, why would they go back to that if that's not going to be a, an actual like part of the story no, of the line? <laughs> and it's not it, like origins make sense. It's like, it's the whole, okay, if you're going to the origin, the dual power sword thing is definitely there at the very beginning of this. But it doesn't right. feel like they're even bothering with that storyline. No. They're just going to no. This is just kind of filmation esque. <laughs> Let's start there and go from go forward, especially with that mini comic. 
Right. That's so, what I'm saying. They're not using the two halves, so why are they putting it in? Yeah. It's 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 another one of those things. It's like it's you're so close, Mattel, but you're still so <laughs> far away. Like mm-hmm. and I and once again, I get it, it's for the kids, blah blah blah. But it can but you also need to think about the adult collector because if you don't, the line's gonna fail because you have this built in customer base that will buy all of this stuff if it ticks certain boxes. So yeah. why why not get both? Why not get the best of both worlds, Mattel? That's all I'm saying. I won't go down yeah. the again. <laughs> it, it was funny. I, I was listening. Uh, here's another plug for everybody <laughs> on top of what we've already done. Uh, Podcasters of the Universe, the last episode, they had mm-hmm. a, a little discussion about what they think the potential is on Origins. And for Steve and Jeremy being the usual bright, sunny people, they they would be about a majority of the Masters stuff. Yeah, I think it's funny that these two guys are like, I don't know if this is going to work. Basically, yeah. they just keep they have that like, uh, you know, and uh, it's, it is funny. It's out there. Like, it's not just us. It's not just me because yeah. I know I'm more Debbie Downer than you are about it. But it's not just me. These other people are like, what are these, what is the, what's the audience you're going for? Because the adult collecting market only has so much that we can do to support a brand with waves like this. So then are they going to be stuck on the store shelves? Because now they're saying the WWE ones are stuck on the store shelves and all this stuff. And I don't, I'm not trying to get into all the nuts and bolts, but I don't know. Well, I just know in my local area, those WWE figures, they do not sit at all. They are really? moving. So, hmm. I mean, maybe it's just the area? Because I thought the same uh, thing. The WWE, it, I'm actually surprised at how well they've gone. Those are the one things where it seems like every time I go, they're cycling through. So mm-hmm. the, the last time I'd been to a Walmart, which was probably three weeks ago, I want to say, they didn't yeah. have anything other than the wrestling ring. Yeah. And I, I'm not really looking for them, but I was like, eh, if I saw the fake or one, uh, you yeah. know, the John Cena fake or that one, that one might grab my interest. Or if they had the, um, what the skull King, the triple H one yep, or whatever. Yep, yep. And he, even those, it's like, that's, that's really, really pushing it. If I <laughs> go to those lengths, you know, but the one thing that I, I will say um, in general is the WWE figures have an advantage over the Masters figures because those those knee pads completely <laughs> take away yeah. part of the yeah, ugly glaringness of the figures. And yeah. I, I just realized that the other day when they posted the one, it's it's the Hulk Hogan versus uh, Stone Cold, and they have a yeah. new ring for it, yeah. the Rattlesnake ring or whatever. Rattlesnake and, Mountain. Uh, Rattlesnake Mountain, thank you. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and I looked at that, and I'm like, Okay, these figures I like because those le- the the knees don't look like they're flappers, you know. Like it, just, <laughs> it works better. So there's an element of like, I, I, again, you kind of get the feeling Mattel doesn't quite know what they're doing because <laughs> it's like you know you're giving us that and that actually doesn't look bad. And then if I see the stuff that it's supposed to be getting you excited for, I'm like, I don't want it. <laughs> it's like I, I got classics at home and those yeah. things. For the for the price point, yeah, they're nuts, but at the same time, hey, they look amazing. So yeah. yeah. Only time will tell. But I I think if they get yeah. some good if they get some good media out there, um, I think it'll do good. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna take the kids getting into it to make this line a success. That is a necessary uh, component to it. So mm-hmm. only time will tell. We'll see what happens. Like everything else in this world. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Who knows? Six months from now, murder hornets or whatever they were saying. Oh, so maybe, maybe in a year, battle cats. That'll be cool. Battle cats. So. <laughs> uh, but for now, we've got uh, we've got a filmation episode to talk about today. Yeah. Um, and it actually goes back to Mr. Bill McCleary. He was our lucky winner over on our Facebook page. Uh, I gave away a uh, a limited edition of the He-Man and She-Ra Complete Guide to the Classic Animated Adventures. Uh, And he was our lucky winner. So congratulations, Bill, and thanks for supporting us. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. And and so when we were talking about what we are going to do this week, Sean threw out, you know, well, how about we do a She-Ra episode? Because we haven't touched on She-Ra in a while. Um... But we didn't really have one off the top of our head. So I said, well, why don't we go back to... Because one of the things I made people do, jump through hoops to enter into the the (laughs) raffle for this book, was to list their favorite episodes. Uh, And Bill listed two She-Ra episodes. One was She-Ra Unchained, which is uh, the third part of Secret of the Sword, which we'll get to that as a whole. We got that planned. We know what episode that's going to be already. So uh, that's coming up. Um, and his other one was The Price of Freedom uh, from Filmation She-Ra. So we thought, hey, let's uh, let's congratulate Bill and let's talk about one of his favorite episodes. Works for me. So let's jump right on over to our lovely view screen. All right. So we've got today we've got The Price of Freedom. Mm. Big one. That's my count. It's not the limited edition, though. Uh, so this one was the 29th episode of Princess of Power. It was written by Bob Forward, directed by Ed Friedman. The script was approved November 16th of 1984. The final script revision was March 7th of 1985. And the UK air date was August 18th of 1987. Once again, the UK took forever to get through these episodes. <laughs> hmm. All right. Slackers. Slackers. Sorry, I've been watching too much Back to the Future this week. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which also featured John Irwin. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, t- I brought that up to you today, actually. I'm like, yeah, last night I watched Back to the Future 2, and I hear the dulcet tones of John Irwin kicking in at one moment. <laughs> it just made me smile. All right, so you guys know the drill. If you're watching on YouTube, you can follow us along right here. If you're what, if you're listening to our audio, you could just listen along, or you can pop it up on, pop in your DVD, bring it up on YouTube, um, however you want to view it. But we'll do the countdown, and if you're gonna watch along, we'll do start on one. So three, two, one. Yippee. that that that, just that noise alone um just meant so much to you as a kid you know it was pavlov it was the whole you know the minute you heard that you automatically were like 
is He Man going to be on? And and honestly, like well, you were. Is He Man going to be on? I was good with yeah. just Shira. <laughs> no, see, I for me it was is He Man going to be on? And then if Shira was on, I'm like, I'll wait it out. Maybe He Man will be on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, I don't know what it was. It, it's it's not like I wasn't I wasn't the kid where it was like ew yucky girls or whatever. But there was definitely something yeah. th- that just it didn't hook me quite the same way as He Man did to watch Shira. I just hmm. I I was just not that kid. I guess I don't know. See to me, I got I always got even more excited because you know my story. I, I rented the videos and you know we recorded them and I had like all the He Men. But I only mm-hmm. had like three volumes of She-Ra. So every time a She-Ra episode came out, it was like, oh my God, it's a She-Ra episode. Like that that was rarer for me, you know? Okay, gotcha. All right. <laughs> and then Sean would have gotten really happy at this as a kid. Oh, I would have been completely confused. I would have been like, what the heck are they showing this? <laughs> I thought that was a Shiro intro. Now there's Adam and Orko in the Royal Palace. I'd be I'd be on the phone to the to the local station. I think you're playing the wrong episode. <laughs> Sounds just like my kids, Orko. I uh, yeah. I was I was actually going to say this is me <laughs> and my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> I always love the telepathy shots. That's such a cool thing. I used to play like that, like the source was just contacting me. (laughs) (laughs) See, if I was Prince Adam there, I would have been like, you are so lucky the sorceress called when she did. Right? (laughs) You would have been in trouble. You get to see every, you can see Gray Skull, you can see everything in here, Sean. This is just It's so confusing. <laughs> Not even time to change. Let's roll. Yeah. I like that they actually use the same uh, doorway in that one as in Secret of the Sword. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. Then we get to see this, where we usually don't see Adam running through. It's like a Shanana episode video. Everything's disco. So first you open on Eternia, then you get to Etheria, and there's just bombs everywhere. Like, even for Sean, afraid of girl cooties, like, this episode should have been, uh, <laughs> hitting well, all the buttons. Like, yeah, so there's fire and everything, Sean. Yeah, re-watching this, um, I, w- I rewatched it, actually, this afternoon, and I'm like, this is the Ethereum I've been waiting for. Yeah. This is how it should look, in my opinion, like, with the Horde in control of it so much, you know? And it's mm-hmm. so cool. Like he's Adam, and Shira comes along and saves him. That's right. that's actually a really cool moment there. Not war, Adam. I'll explain later. Excuse me. And I like that. I like she's just like, "What's going on, War Adam?" I'll explain later. Like she just 
you get the differences here right off the bat, like how She-Ra... It, it's what was always yeah. going on, but they couldn't go here every episode, you know? And she's just so used to this, and Adam's taken by surprise. And yeah, I love that dynamic of him coming through the portal as Adam and having to be saved. Like, he's so used yeah. to going into a situation and having time to assess before he's got to change, and there's just no time here. But it also gives us this, which, you know, right. I'm never going to fight him when they want to do this moment, so. <laughs> yeah, we don't even get a she transformation in this. I don't care what you say. Shield to sword is cool. <laughs> I love that too. I mean, even even He Man's down himself here. Yeah, I I like that. Oh and, yeah, and it's like you know, it's one of those. Well, they could really use Battle Cat right about now because he could just like plow through those guys and stuff, but. He was so in a rush to get to her and make sure she's safe, you know, and and help. So we could use a whole rebellion right now. I mean, we could use all the masters, and they'd still be pretty evenly matched in this episode. Still got to have our non-violent way of taking care of them, though. I love that. They don't even get a breather. Yeah. I actually like that line, too. The Hordak line? Yeah, because I, I yeah. liked it that that then cements, like, this is why they're not giving in. You know, this is, oh, yeah. this is why they're they're just inundating them right now. I mean, look at that. That's the Horde. This is how I've always pictured the Horde. Just this, like, just smother and conquer and sheer That's, numbers. And this is how it should be in my mind. Like, it, it, watching this was like, okay, this episode was a taste of the way I, I view how Etheria should be daily. Exactly. He should be attacking them constantly, and that those woods would be kindling. Yeah. The Whispering Woods would be kindling if if Hordak was really Hordak and like going for it <laughs> and yeah. you know, it's like, it, you know, the, he knows where they are. Why is he not burning the place down? I mean, they did it in freaking Robin hood, Prince of thieves with the Celts coming in and burning down Sherwood in that one yeah. moment. And it's like, you know, where, where's that scene? <laughs> Maybe there is one. Cause they, like I said, I don't know Shira as well. I don't know. They, so. they played a little bit with the magicalness of whispering woods, helping the rebels. Uh, a little bit. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but still, basically, anytime they're out of the Whispering Woods, this is what it should be, is just smother. Yes, I agree I, completely. I, I like that Hordak line where he's just like, I own these people. They are mine. Like, he's, mm -hmm. they're just, they're just pets to him. What are we waiting for? We have to stop them. No, He-Man. We stay here. These people need us. But the, their homes, their possessions. They mean nothing. 
houses we can build again, He-Man. And as for our possessions, we gladly traded them for one thing we did not have, our freedom. You mean you just let the Horde destroy your village? This is Ethereum, my brother. The Horde rules this planet. If they did not destroy the village now, they would do it later, and the villagers might be harmed. What caused the Horde to attack the village any- I mean, right there. I mean, that's just... You don't see that kind of writing anymore. It's, uh, it's, I mean, this whole, this whole, yeah, we're let, willing to let, we're willing to give up everything if we can just be done working in these mines for Hordak every day, you know? Mm hmm Yeah, I, that, that whole moment, it, it really puts into perspective Eternia versus Etheria, because I right. like the humans like, oh, what about all their possessions? What about this? What about that? And these people have so little to live for that mm -hmm. all they want is to just be free. You know, it's right. like, I, I love that He-Man doesn't even realize this is how bad it is. And she was the one like, yeah, it's the pits yeah. here, kid. You know, like. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. He-Man has never had to come up against this. He's gone to villages that were enslaved, but he's able to drive them off. He's able to save everybody and everything and, you know, right the wrongs. He can't, he can't even start to fathom that that there's no winning here. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that's the other thing too is like watching this one. It's like I like the he man's out of his depth. Yep. And typically, he'd be the one who has all the answers. And this time, he's like, oh, like yeah. nothing I'm thinking actually makes sense in this situation. But then it also makes yeah. me go, if he was on Etheria, he would just be He-Man 24-7. He'd never have a breath no. of being Adam again if he was here. Mm -mm. So, No, and he's, and he's still trying to play that guy. He's still trying, just like there, he sends Shira away when he could really use her backup. Because even he's not sure he can, you know, hold them off. But he's he's got to try. He's so he's so used to being that guy. He's like, yeah. Sorry guys, I know we're being quiet here, but this is this is just the dialogue is amazing. Like it just it brings you in. Um And yeah, they even they even play up the, you know, do your part. Like they're not warriors, but they got mining equipment, so hopefully they can find another way out of that mine, you know, mm -hmm. or make another way out. So there's so many lessons in this episode, but you never even feel like it's being shoved down your throat really it's written so well i like these mosquito droids too those are cool the design of those is really cool oh yeah and they're robots so we can hack and slash them which is always fun what about staff does staff count i mean that's metal to metal still that cool <laughs> sean's like no <laughs> It's like that that took all of five minutes and he man's still trying to hold off the entire army meanwhile back at the cave, you know. Yeah. 
or the mine. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, he's more worried that they stopped firing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, your favorite. Yeah, but it's a giant freeze cannon. <laughs> Boom. I do wish a shot that gun He-Man had been a little bigger, though. That's probably my one nitpick, is that was still a pretty small shot. He should have been taken out by the big cannon. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That would have been an easy way for them to get the hole on the other side of the mountain, probably. If that thing would have hit him, it would have yeah. just shot him the whole shot way him right through. And... Wiley Coyote <laughs> style. Yeah. <laughs> and they got to do the Mantena gag. It's, it's a requirement. You know, and honestly, for the kids, they probably need to break in tension here, to be honest with you. That's true. And I like I like that Hornet's just like, okay, we collapsed the mine, they're buried, uh, we destroyed the entire village, you know, and they're just, re they're just like going back to their fright zone. Like, we killed them all, and we burned their village down. So even if they managed to get out, there's nothing left for them. Um, mm-hmm. And the Hordes won. I mean. <laughs> well, that's. Most times the He-Man goes up against the Horde, it feels like the Horde really does a number on him. At least yeah. the episodes that I can think of. This one, Secret of the Sword uh, and all that. It's like, you know, it, it's. I'm still not a huge Horde act making a snorting and all that stuff. But they yeah. do bring across the idea that the Horde is a force to be reckoned with, the way they set that up, at least. And, like, Skeletor, like I said, Skeletor's proactive. You know? Yeah. Like on on He-Man's show, if Skeletor doesn't do much, they don't really have an episode, I'd say, 75% of the time, you know? Right. But um, in the case of this, it's like, you know, he'd never have a moment to breathe. No, He'd no. always just be, oh, crap, now what are they doing here? Oh, we got to get to this village. We got to go mm -hmm, in here. And mm -hmm. There's a fire in the Whispering Woods. Da -da, you know, it's, and, and because they control the planet, it does bring it into a whole nother, like, they could do a number on him, and he would oh, yeah. need She-Ra if, if it would, the roles were reversed, you know? And, oh, yeah. Yeah, She-Ra holds her own on a daily basis. Yeah. Just that desolation leading back up to the mountain. Beautifully animated. The despair on people's faces. He-Man's down for the count. I mean... Mm-hmm. Such great animation. They're all 
all working. They have no supports to hold, even hold up the new tunnel. But they're still going because that, oh, that's mm-hmm. all that matters to them. You know, you, you get the feeling even that if the mind caved in on them, that that would still be like a sweet release to them. You know, not to be too dark, but... You know, give me freedom or give me death, that sort of thing. Yeah. That wasn't necessarily something you'd see on most kids' shows back in the day. Now He-Man's finding the strength. You can tell he's still still worn out, but... Now, this moment's sweet. I, I like this quote a lot. Yep. Let everyone hear this part along with us. Shira, He-Man is still in there. What? He kept the mine from caving in so we could escape. He-Man, He-Man, I'm coming to get you. Oh, please be all right. Shira, I... I thought I was dreaming. The villagers, did they get out? Safe and sound. And from what I hear, thanks to you. Now, what's all this I hear about you not wanting to leave here? Well, I I think I'm ready now, but I'm sure going to miss this place. I was getting kind of attached to it. Mm Mm-hmm, I'll bet. Come on, let's go. Sis, thanks. Anytime, brother. Anytime. I mean, that that right there. Then they had to go add the mountain collapse on them again. <laughs> well, it's a theory of it. It, it, yeah. it, just, it just wants to kill you. It's like Australia. Yeah. <laughs> it's just set up with all these things that just make you want to go, I don't know if I'd ever visit there. I think I'd probably die before I got home. <laughs> but yeah, that whole moment in the cave with He-Man and She-Ra, it's just like you can feel the love in the the. You know, she really thought that she'd lost him. Yeah. Hi, Lukey. <laughs> yeah, I was looking out for him. Actually, I'm like, I know this is that moment. <laughs> Otherwise, he's the canary in the mine. Yeah. And we end back up at the Royal Palace. <laughs> and there's Orko. There's yeah. Orko. <laughs> Looking put out. Yeah. 
How do you even spill paint? You're supposed to be cleaning your room, Orca. Why is there even paint out? <laughs> Makes Adam really appreciate what they got on Eternia. Yeah. Oh, such a good episode. Such a good episode. <laughs> yeah, that oh. ending with Orko and the pain is pretty much my daughter. Every time I tell her to go do something else, all of a sudden there's like, there's we have this mess. bathtub. Yeah. Well, we have this like Crayola bathtub paint. I'm going to the bathroom <laughs> yes. and the sink's blue. And I'm like, I didn't tell you to do that. I told you to clean your room or whatever. And so it's like, my God, I never thought I'd have an Orko in my life until I had a daughter. So, right. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. No, this is this is one of those Shira episodes where I'm just sitting here going like, now if a lot of them felt like this, I would have been like, I can't wait for Shira to show up. You know, I, I can't <laughs> wait for the Shira to, for Shira to air because this is a huge take on the way I want to see it, which is you know the horde being the horde this way and all out assaults and. Yeah. You know, they're not stopping, they're not giving them a breath, they're not giving them an inch, they're going to show why they are the tyrants of Etheria, and mm -hmm. and poor Shira is just the lone, I mean, I know they have the rebellion, but she's the yeah. only one who has the power to go up against these guys, she should be exhausted, and it's like, it's a typical thing, like, you know, like men will complain when we're exhausted, and we'll have these moments, and women just somehow have that superpower to just keep pushing mm -hmm. forward, mm -hmm. And they don't say anything to complain. They just keep going. And, and as a guy, you're like, I probably shouldn't have said that because I know you're <laughs> going through it too. But, yeah. you know, like that happens around my house all the time. And uh, I, I like the whole, you know, her going to do what she needs to do. And then she comes back. She's still got to get He-Man out of the mine and everything. It's like, you know, she goes through a lot in one episode and he just does yeah. that. And that took right. a lot out of fun. <laughs> No, and it was it's just it's good to see I mean, the villains were victorious there. They they achieved all their goals. They left on their own accord, like there was no beating Hordak in that episode. So that was mm -hmm. really refreshing to see. Um and just just the messages and, and the moral that's underlying there and yeah, to really see just an all out war for the first time really since uh the Battle of Bright Moon. Like mm -hmm. And there's even, you know, thanks to wonderful uh, filmation guide here. There's even a note here on the storyboard. Um, oh, Don Manuel uh, did the storyboard on this one, and he put a note in there that during those opening scenes where Adam comes to Etheria, and you know, she like we saw she was fighting off all the missiles and everything. There is a note mm -hmm. to lay out. It says, please, no smile on She-Ra here. This woman is all business. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to make sure that they didn't just pull, you know, the stock footage and, you know, her be the, the smiling She-Ra. It's like, no, this is this is serious here. Yeah, I, I loved how that moment happened, actually. It was, it was such a great, you know, you get thrown into the action. And I like that from like Adam's perspective, he's getting saved by Shira. I mean, yeah. you don't get to see that happen very often. 
And I love that even though she's like, oh, it's Adam, that there's this element of, okay, I'll be with you in a second. She's running off to go do a whole, right. like, how many other things because there's people in danger and all that. And, you know, like, again, this is one of those episodes where for me being who I am about it, it makes me look at it and go, oh, this works. Like, this right. this on every, I'd say almost every level worked for me. There's, like, a tiny little bit that didn't. Yeah. But the majority definitely, it, it felt like this is how I've always wanted to see it. So they actually... They did it. I just didn't realize they did it. And I think, honestly, I yeah. think I did see this episode before, but I didn't watch it in as detail as I did to watch right. it for this. And uh, so now I'm glad I got that chance. Yeah. Yeah, same with me. I didn't see this one until uh, either my bootleg copy or, or the actual official DVD release. So I was older. But even then, it still hit me then. Man, if I'd seen this as a kid, it would have blown my mind. Like... <laughs> and I probably wouldn't have even understood all the different, you know, freedom type stuff going on, you know, or not in the entirety, but just the action would have blown my mind. Like, oh my God, they're they're going for it. Um, well, yeah, like the just real quick, the the freedom yeah. talk that they have in there for little kids, it probably is the equivalent. Like when when I was a kid, my grandfather would love to talk about like at Christmas they got an orange because they didn't have a lot mm -hmm. and all this. And they'd always, you know, the, I walked uphill through, you know, eight feet yep. of snow and all. And, and it's like, as a kid, you're just brushing it off. Like, all right. You know, like it, it doesn't apply to me. This is you just filling my head with these stories and these tall tales. But right. when, you know, when you have the context of it in this episode and on top of that, as you're older watching it, that is a surprise that this episode holds a lot more mm -hmm. as an adult to watch it and go, yeah, these people, you know, like in this day and age too, you're like, wow, you know, the amount of like talking about freedom and you're thinking to yourself about like what what's happening in this world and the, the price people are paying for that as well. It's like, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's a heavy subject to address in a, in a children's mm -hmm. show that way. So. Yeah. And that all those villagers were willing to give up everything. They didn't have, but the clothes on their back. But as long mm -hmm. as they could make it to the other side of that mountain and be done with Hordak, that's that was it. That's all that mattered. Mm -hmm. um, my one, my one minor, 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 minor gripe about it is the fact that like Whispering Woods was right on the other side of the mountain. Um, it's like, man, if they were that close to the even to the edge of the Whispering Woods, you think that the rebellion would have been able to get there, you know, at some point in the in the past. But you know. That, that's my mm -hmm. one minor, minor complaint is that they pop out the other side of the mountain and she's just like, hey, here's Whispering Woods, you know. Uh, but uh, okay. but that's so minor. So minor. I, but I had to bring it up. <laughs> um, and you know what? I've been bouncing back and forth between two numbers. But you know what? They're so close. I'm giving it to them. This is a 10 out of 10. I'm giving them. <laughs> I've given a lot of them out. I know Sean's going to brag on me for it, but. Um, I, I can't think of a thing I would change here, really. Mm. I mean, the, it just it's the animation is great. There's so much, even the stock animation they use is used so well that you don't mm -hmm. even, it doesn't bother you. Uh, the, the new animations with He-Man looking drained and defeated and the dialogue and the voice, everything, 10 out of 10. My minor nitpick was actually the comedy part of it. Mm -hmm. uh that whole bit with mantana getting shot yeah. out the uh 
the vehicle, that part for me was like you said, that I'm sure children probably needed a breather because it's an yes. intense episode, but I, I was a different kid in my case, yeah. watching something like that. I didn't want to see any comedy. I wanted from beginning to end feeling that this is an intense situation. And why the, the thing that would have been the relief was the heroes make it at the end. Yeah. So like that little moment, even though, like you said, they, they probably right. need a little break. For me, it's like I didn't. I, I know when I was a kid, I, like I sat through Transformers the movie twice, yeah. and I was like, "Bring on all the craziness that makes me feel like <laughs> the world is going to end." I don't give a crap about Wheelie. I don't give a crap about these things that are supposed to be silly. Bring mm. on the intensity because I don't get to see it like that all the time. So. I, if I had to bet, and I don't know, but I would bet you that the first script did not have that moment in there. I'm betting mm -hmm. that was added later on where they were going, look, we need to give, we need to give a I'm little sure. comedy in here. We need, like you said, just something to cut the tension. And I get that there are some kids who can handle that straight through, but just the way I know the filmation worked and the way they went about things, it's mm -hmm. something that they would look at and go, look, this is too, you know, mm -hmm. it's too dark all the way through. So. Mm hmm well, um, let's see the, let's see, rating wise, rating wise, I'll have to, I, all right, I'll do it. 10 out of 10. Because there you this go. One, I knew you could this, do it. <laughs> well, no, this one really did. It, it was, it was the most yeah. glimpse of what I've always hoped that it, it could be, uh, on Etheria. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I love that now we have a He-Man who's out of sorts. Yeah. I love that we have a He-Man who thinks, well, typically Skeletor will do this and I get to go home and Shira's just like, no, this is like, this is my schedule between one and two today. And then there's right. 50 other things going on that I got to right. get to after this because the Horde's everywhere on this planet, you know, yes. like, uh, I, I love that. And it really brings a nice contrast to this is what you get into when you go to Etheria and if you go to Eternia. That's like probably a vacation for her then because oh, it's absolutely. ruled by the good people, you know, and everything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I'm happy that they represented what I always hoped it could be in this episode. Awesome. Awesome. So now the moment that everybody's been waiting for. <laughs> Drum roll. <laughs> Welcome. So the Legends of Grayskull podcast, our new segment, remastering their universe. Dun, yeah, dun, look dun. at that. That logo, wow. That is beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. So, for I, I those of you who haven't heard what this segment is, um, basically we're going to take the, the episodes, the books, the mini-comics, the stories that may not quite have the power that Price of Freedom does or Dragon's Gift does. And we're going to kind of take a look at, we're not going to do an in-depth review, we, you know, because uh, we don't need that with these things. These are the stinkers of the universe. Uh, <laughs> the stink. Gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to break them down and we're going to go, well, how would we make it better? How could we take this show that people necessarily don't like as much, and ha what could we change that we think would make it better for us? So we are going to remaster their universe. 
Um, so, Sean, what's our first episode we're going to remaster? <laughs> our first episode that we're remastering is a fan favorite. <laughs> it's called... <laughs> it's from 2000X, and it is called The Island. The Island. The 22nd episode of Mike Young Productions, He-Man, the Masters of the Universe, written by Dean Stefan. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you want to give a brief synopsis, or you want me to? I can do it. You did it. Go I'll do it. 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 It's cool. It's so, basically, the, the synopsis is... Um, Man at Arms, Teela, and Prince Adam are going to visit uh, Duncan's teacher, who is um, and and for the life of me now the the name is escaping me, which annoys the heck out of me. Decker, um, Decker thank you. Yes, I was like I, I kept wanting to think Duncan <laughs> again. Decker, uh, who who lives on this island, and when uh, some of the crustacean characters who are like Clawful find out, it, it's like oh. They let Clawful know that Man-at-Arms will be on this island, and Skeletor decides, I want Man-at-Arms to be a part of my group and make all of this cool technology. Right, Basically right. giving Triclops a bit of a problem, an issue. Yep. And craziness ensues, basically, while, while <laughs> they're there. Uh, and and it, is, it is an episode that, from the way I understand it, is very heavily panned within the fan community. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I will go on the record as saying I never hated it. I never had much issue with it. It was an episode that I felt was just mid-range. Okay, yeah. it's not like, you know, it didn't blow the roof off the joint, but I didn't hate it as much as maybe other episodes that were out there. Right, right. But this thing is just across the board. People just seem like this is the one that they want to throw darts at the most or whatever. Yes. So. Um, yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll go back and forth. We'll each do like one thing that bothered us and how we change it. And, you know, cause we might double up on some stuff. Um, the first thing I would change um, and this might surprise you because it's not going to be what you think it is. I even took notes. Uh, oh, the first thing, notes. the first thing I would change is that I would move this episode earlier in the season. That's number one because twenty-second episode of season one of Mike Young Productions, where that landed you was this was right after Snake Pit and right before Sweet Smell of Victory which are two of the best episodes of mm -hmm. this entire series. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing is, nothing happens here that furthers the, the overarching plot. You know, the deep end, at least you could say, well, this is where Skeletor discovers that Grace goes more than it seems. You know? Yeah. Um, there's nothing like that in here. It could go anywhere in the season, so move it early. This should mm -hmm. be like... It should go like Courage of Adam, the island. Like, they should be way back earlier in season one, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's my first thing. Move it earlier in the season where you're not coming. Up. I mean, and that's the biggest thing is the, for those of us who watched it live, you know, week to week, it's like you're coming off the snake pit with all that awesomeness and Zodak and Cobra Khan and Ratlore, and then you get the island. Yeah. So that's my first one. Okay. Um, it, what's funny is uh, when I was doing my 2000X reviews 
on Facebook and, and Lucky Legends, that was one of the things that I said. I'm like, why did oh, they yeah. bother putting it here? Like that just drove me crazy because I'm like, this to me was like Courage of Adam, like you're saying. It's mm. like this could have been dropped in anywhere else, and it probably wouldn't be the same amount of animosity towards it because, like you said, it was it was the perfect way of tripping right out the gate. You had a great episode the week before. There's a yep. great episode. It's like what the heck? Um, <laughs> I think. All right, if we're if we're doing one at a time, because basically what I what I did is I just thought of like here's here's certain things I would I would have rather seen, and I okay. think yeah, go for it. Uh, the the part for me was it it's felt weird that uh, there's a couple things that feel weird about it, but the one of them that to me was the most weird is you're painting an entire race as being evil. Yes, because. All of the people that are like clawful inherently in this episode just want to capture man at arms because they want in with Skeletor like clawful mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. yep. And my issue with that was, I guess the way I always pictured Skeletor's crew is mm -hmm. these are the misfits. These are the ones like like uh, Whiplash, for instance. Yes. He got turned away from his society because he was a traitor. Yep. And when we see the island and, and we see, no, all of these guys have that in them, well, mm -hmm. then why mm -hmm. don't one of those guys walk right into Snake Mountain and go, hey, right. I'm better than Clawful. And on um, <laughs> 2000X, they could prove that because Clawful right. is the least of the villains when it comes to anything. He's yep. the one that yep. most people point at and go, he's, it, he's an idiot versus, you know, like the other characters. And it's like, man, he would have had better luck with the two main bad guys and the one is really stupid but he's right. better than even clawful because clawful doesn't even know his own language yep which that's mind-blowing already too it's like okay that really isn't helping that character and it's not doing any favors to him that he doesn't even know if they clack their claws together they yeah. automatically communicate yeah what's that language you know it's like yeah and i love the evil ends like i'll help you you know and it's like no you're really no. really making this character into just pointless absolutely and i actually had kind of both those points on there. i said i said number one clawful is not that stupid that mm -hmm. is making him that stupid is does not do you any favors you know there's a difference between uh you know oh, push the button like because that's a machine that triclops made he doesn't know it as opposed yeah. to i don't understand my own language like mm -hmm. that's that's a whole nother level um and then kind of in the same vein i had on here why why were these crabs not a problem before they obviously live on orcas island yet decker's been living here peacefully so far and you yeah. know like if they are all evil why hasn't this been a continuous thing here you know mm -hmm. so i i agree with that um and piggybacking off of that is my next point is Clawful should have been the star of this episode. Mm -hmm. You know, Clawful should have been the one getting the communication from his cousin and going like, I'm going to go get man-arms. Like, Skeletor's going to love this, you know. And he goes out, and he leads these crab people, you know. Mm -hmm. Everyone else, like, Stinkor got an episode, Triclops got an episode, Trapjaw got an episode, Eveling got multiple episodes. And Clawful's episode shows his cousin being the lead bad guy like yep. what sense does that even make so yeah 
Same plot, the Capture Man at Arms were visiting Decker, but have Clawful be the one out there doing it, and that improves it so much in my opinion. Agreed. Or the other option that I was thinking too, and, and this is one of those things where it's it, here's a out of left field option on how to make this one work, and I don't know if it makes it work or not, but I'm gonna throw it out there. I kind of like the idea even that maybe the message didn't even get the skeletor, because for starters yeah. For starters, Skeletor looking at this as an opportunity to steal Man-at-Arms was a little odd, too, because Man-at-Arms is somebody I don't equate him even thinking twice about. He's more after Randor. He's after the Council of Elders. He's after, you know, the Sorceress, and he's after He-Man. He's not Man-at-Arms is just... He's a warrior to him. I I, I never would have figured... Skeletor to have him even remotely on his radar. He's just there. So the idea of what the point of the episode is just fell apart for me with that idea. He already has trap or triclops. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, um, and, and triclops has pretty much proven himself except for when he went rogue on the Roboto's gambit episode. And that's when Skeletor is like, Oh, we're going to have a talk about this, you know, and all that. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, he's delivered. So I, I kept going, Instead of the message even getting to Skeletor, what if Merman heard it? Okay. And then okay. Merman is the one that then comes to the island, and it turns into, like, it, 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 I don't know. There's, like, elements of that where you're almost rewriting it, but I feel like it could have still worked because a lot of the stuff that they brought to this episode was stuff where I feel Merman would have been in control because he'd have, like, yeah. the sea life coming to get them. Yeah. And yeah. I... I, I just kind of like that. I, I think he would have looked at it as he'd have a trifecta versus it being about man at arms. He'd be like, well, now I have Tila, I have Prince Adam, which that would have been a huge bargaining chip anyway, the prince oh, and absolutely. man at arms. And, and boom, all, all right there in a row versus even Clawful needing to be a part of it. I mean, I, I do like well, that. I'll, um, I'll one up you there. What, what if it's a merman Clawful team up? I mean, they're the I, two aquatic creatures. I mean, that could be pretty pretty awesome, too. Why wouldn't these guys join forces more often and try and accomplish some stuff? I actually thought of that as well. That was like, I was yeah. I was mixing them in my head, and <laughs> like, which way do I want to go with this? And the only, like, I kind of, I kind of like the idea if that would have happened. I, I like the idea that Merman might have won out in the end. Because yeah. Merman would have proven I'm the I'm the Lord of the Oceans, you know, and it versus Clawful is just a he's basically a heavy for Skeletor. Mm-hmm. There really yeah. isn't a whole lot Clawful brings to the table other than he's really strong and he can take a lot of damage and all that right, kind right. of stuff. But uh, so that so you know Merman and him teaming up would have been interesting because Merman's episodes piss me off because of that stupid <laughs> fish. So that would have given me like fish. okay. Yeah, that. Ugh. I would have brought, brought my custom up if I'd known we were talking about the fish. Today, well, so. well, it, it's like the the internet saved me that night because I would have had PTSD <laughs> on the end of that episode. But but yeah, I like that idea where you know, like, show some of these guys like having the gumption to go, okay, you know, I'm gonna step up and I'm gonna do this, and maybe it would be them like. Okay, I'm doing this, and maybe I'll get one over on Skeletor. I'll go to the yeah. to the, I'll get the ransom from the king, or I'll be the one telling the king this is what we're doing because your right, son right. is here now. 
because that whole that plot point in general just bugged me the whole oh well man at arms is a great catch it's like when did that ever matter ever (laughs) on this well you know and now that you got my gears thinking here um, here we go now it's starting oh yeah (laughs) so one of the kind of subplots was how tila wasn't really like working well with adam and man at arms like she was kind of she was being impulsive she was doing her own thing which again here is mm-hmm. why I think this needs to be earlier because I think Tila kind of grew up as the series went on and yeah. that's more beginning of the series Tila. But anyways, you know, one of the great things about filmation is it always drew its parallels. We just talked about in the Prince Adam no more, you know, like that, the Adam Randor and the beast man Skeletor, like they were kind of the parallels. Mm-hmm. Um, so what if you have a merman clawful team up, and they set out, like you said, to capture. First, it starts in Man Arms, but then, like, well, we got Tila, we got Adam, same thing. Like, we don't even need Skeletor. Like, we can do this ourselves. Like, we could rule. Mm-hmm. But then, like you said, Merman went out. Basically, Merman and Clawful get the better of them because they can't work together. They're both trying to one up each other and beat each other out. Whereas Tila learns how to get along during this episode. And, you know, seeing Decker and Man Arms work together and, you know, that's kind of your... And that that makes that whole Tila story, which is kind of out there, kind of, in the finished episode, you know, it, it shows you, like, look, if it wasn't for our teamwork, we'd be them. You know, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. which is very, very Masters of the Universe to me. Yeah. No, that would have been a great way to have the parallel thing, because I was thinking of that, too, watching it, going, like, this this her impulsiveness and then the whole thing at the end with the poison after they fight those big like jellyfish creatures it's like you know that just comes out of nowhere in in a sense and i i didn't like how that worked out i kept thinking like that's that's kind of the whole they didn't need to it's like no you have the whole well no no you you have the whole (laughs) episode that it's basically the whole like it starts off with okay decker is going to be a highlighted character and this is someone that's they're bringing new into it that here's this mentor that man at arms had which that is interesting enough for me to go well i wouldn't mind spending some time with this person because right. for man at arms being who he is on this series he's a huge asset to the good guys and who was the guy that taught him all that that would have been right. really cool and when we get to that moment at the end where the the, the the Clawful's people are bringing these jellyfish with these poisoned, uh, I don't want to call them darts, but these poison, yeah, like... Yeah, no, it's... Um, it is. It's it, dart. They have, darts. They have unlimited <laughs> ammo, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just like, oh. Yeah, I would have cut then, the jellyfish. Cut the jellyfish completely. They are just, they're overpowered, and they're, mm-hmm. it was just, ugh. <laughs> but but then the episode then all of a sudden it turns into now here's a bonus episode because right. all that happens then man at arms gets hit by one other stinger things the the dart and then he man has to do this cross world swim to right. get these these petals and this this flower and come yeah. back and see man and it all gets cleared up in literally like thirty seconds and yeah. I, I I I was like. That doesn't work like that. Like, it, I don't know why. I just, I, I didn't. No, I, I could see why that wasn't a great resolution to the episode. I got the it way right it was here. written. It's, it's, He Man's plan is I'm going to swim till I find some? Ridiculous. Yeah. 
Drop yeah. this whole subplot. I'm right there with you. Yep. That needed yep. to go. Keep it on the Tila learning to be part of a team, you know, mm-hmm. and, and actually listening to other people because she's so impulsive all the time. And like mm-hmm. I said, it, your idea there of Cloth All Merman, that's that's a perfect setup to kind of mirror that and show how it doesn't work. Um, mm-hmm. If you're going to have the jellyfish, just make them giant jellyfish. But, I mean, the, the amount of rounds those things were firing off was utterly insane. Like, I'm sitting there like, yeah. there's no way an animal can have this kind of firepower. I mean, it was just, mm-hmm. I mean, we're in a fantasy world, and, and I'm even sitting there going like, no, that's that's too much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, they're just the, like automatic fire. The the fact that He Man, with how much skin he has showing, doesn't get hit even I thought once, the same thing. was ridiculous <laughs> to me. So, like for me, like I, I told you uh, today, and and this is how I stand on it. It was never yeah. a horrible episode, but when you actually take a moment and you look at it the way that we're doing right yeah. now, there really is like, why did they think that was a right. good option? Why? why this that's what this whole segment is about. Like let's let's actually boil right. it into how is this a more concise story that actually has something else. And to be honest, like Merman doesn't really get any more like uh, spotlight episodes after uh, yeah. uh, the deep end. He's he's just kind of like one of the minions after that point in every episode from here on out. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's like it would have been kind of nice for him to have that one more episode because if you look at it, it's like the ones that I'm willing to give more than one episode of a highlight really mm-hmm. are either the main core villains, which to me are Skeletor, Beast Man, Evil Lynn, and Merman, right. or the ones who didn't have a chance in filmation, Stink or right. Too Bad, you know, characters like that. And and for the most part, they deliver, but it's like Merman is still kind of that like big question mark character because every time he does something – it doesn't quite land in a way where I'm like, yeah, you know, like 2000 right. does a lot of good things, but there are characters that just kind of, they don't land the way that you would hope they would. And I, I do like that idea of they're on an Island. They're all, there's all this water. How is he not involved in this episode? Yeah. I mean, you no, know, that and, didn't and, even occur to me that that's a good pickup there. I like that. I really do like so, that. But still keep Clawful in there. And all the yeah. crab people, because the crab people were cool. I give them that; they had great designs. But Clawful should have been their leader in this. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, this would have been a good thing. You know, like the the whole the whole point of Merman there would have been, you know, he he would have said, you know, Skeletor thinks you're a fool, right. and I don't trust you. I don't trust you well enough to do this or that because I know you're going to fail. And this would be Clawful. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it my way. And that's when he pulls all the guys in there. And then it's like the whole island is then under attack by all his people. And then Merman's bringing in the sea life and the aquatic life to also – I mean that would have been – imagine this episode as technically like a zombie movie. If you think about (laughs) like like you have a couple people. They're pinned down on this island, and there's all this craziness coming in around them, and they're trying to survive the night. That's kind of the way I picture it versus – how this is and the impulsiveness like you're saying the impulsiveness of Tila would have to be tempered right. here and it could be something cool where even decker is like you know we we've never had him like this you know like they they raid us every now and then and that's part of why he's on the right. island maybe he's retired but he knows these people need help so right. he's there to kind of be like a line in the sand against these guys even in his older age 
and like teal is there and all that stuff too so you have that element of okay here are the protectors coming in and this is the chance that they have of 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 turning the tide for this island and that kind of brings into focus that's what they wanted to do throughout the series is they're trying to go into places and build relationships and build uh, you know they're trying to build diplomacy with everybody so even that could be something said about this island like it maybe Decker's there as like, well, you know, back in the day, this was a trading route or something and have it yeah. be something where later on it plays in later because Decker's a character. I feel like he could have been a more than one off character because he doesn't show up yeah, ever again. I'm That's another I'm thing. I'm surprised he wasn't. The way they built him up and the way they centered this episode around him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so surprised that he never came back. And, mm-hmm. uh. But yeah, I, I agree. That that all sounds awesome. I, I agree with your points. Drop that whole man arm getting poisoned subplot. Because like you said, it felt like you're starting a whole new episode at that point. And it's like, mm-hmm. we don't have that much time left here, guys. You know? <laughs> exactly. Um, and this should not be a two-parter. And, uh, and yeah, that, I mean, that would be awesome. The way you're, you know, and that would be the reason. Like, Clawful's bringing his people up to attack the island. And that's why they've never been this sort of issue before because he's like goading them into it like come on guys you know we're gonna take we if we succeed here we'll take the palace for ourselves we'll rule eternia you know that sort mm-hmm. of thing and uh yeah and yeah it, it just it makes more sense and i mm-hmm. think that would be a more action-packed story um yeah we've hit all my points so i'm i'm gonna say we just remastered it <laughs> yeah i mean the only other thing i can think of is one of the driving forces with clawful is he looks at his people as being under merman's boot because merman looks at clawful yeah. as you're an example of these so i like the idea that clawful would be the one going we can do this and we could show him we're a force to be reckoned yeah. with and that's what you know the whole big got- ending then yeah, you got to figure that too. Like Merman, he controls ocean life, so he's got to figure like all of you are my my minions. Like yes, and that mm-hmm. would definitely be what takes him down. Yeah, I like that a lot, and it would have given a great episode to him again. Yeah. And if it, I mean, hell, I'll even let them do the damn flying fish if it means that we could have this <laughs> team up that really doesn't like. If you think about it, it makes sense because they're aquatic, but it also doesn't yeah. make sense because I would have never, even as a kid, I would have never gone, Merman and Clawful are going to be the bad guys. I would have been like, that makes no sense. But sometimes you but need to tell it. stories like that to have some fun with it, and, you know, shake it up a little bit and all that. So Yeah, I can't, I can't believe I've never thought of a Merman and Clawful team up before now. Like, it makes perfect sense, but... It does, but it doesn't does register it. on the... Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, you have all these other episodes, you know, it's, it, you know, the typical Skeletor's evil Lin or beast man with them and all that. But it's like, you know, it, the other villains don't really have those team up episodes. It's they're all doing one offs like Triclops trap jaw has his one off episode with Stratos and all that. And it's like, you know, it, 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 when they have a team up, it's council of evil, which granted that's freaking amazing. That's one of my yes. absolute favorite episodes, but it would have been kind of fun to see a taste of that in this episode with having those two teaming up at least. I agree. So remastered. Oh, and, oh no, uh, we got one, one more. One quick <laughs> thing that I will say, and and yeah. I'll consider it remastered, is you don't have a sequence with He-Man having to swim over distances 
without having the original filmation theme song because <laughs> that is the only way that moment is going to have any impact. And yeah. when you watch it on this, it just it makes you just go. I know you're going to find the flower. Yeah. You found the flower. Now we got to go, really and now he's fine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And the, it, like and it, that on the filmation would have been the, the theme would have kicked in like crazy, yeah. and you would have seen him like swimming for all he's got. And that's like filmation still wins there. There's no yeah. way around it. So and I, I consider I had, it remastered. <laughs> I had I had come up with ways to fix that sequence, but then at the end of it, I'm just like, no, that whole thing needs to go. Like there are ways to make it better, but it's it's so unnecessary. Like that part just needs a that should have mm-hmm. been cutting room floor. Story editor should have stepped in and gone, no, come on here, you need to tighten this up here. So so okay, real quick though, in yeah. the new version that we're talking, how how is the ending then? Because we didn't really address that, and I kind of thought of what the ending is already. But what would what would you want well, to have say- as the ending with this team up then? I, I would I would say it'd be it'd be kind of similar to how it ended. Well, kind of similar to how it ended up to the point where Man Arms gets poisoned. Like you got this big battle and everything, um, but instead instead have uh, uh, you know that's when that's when you know so Man Arms and Decker have already done their thing. They they did their little fake fight to get out of the the handcuffs, whatever. Um, and then basically you go into a battle where like Clawful's bringing all his crab people, Merman's bringing his flying fish, or even the jellyfish. But once again, they need to have just tentacles, not yeah, the tendrils, tentacles. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically at that point they just start. Basically, Tila then turns it on them, where like she saw how uh, Man Arms and Decker turned on each other playing, and then she finds a way to turn. To, to kind of incite Merman and Clawful and turn them on each other. And basically gotcha. those, those two, Merman and his and his uh, creatures then t- take on Clawful and his crab people and and uh, then your heroic warriors just have to clean up what's left after that. You know? Gotcha. And they do it together. He-Man, Tila, Man-Arms, and Decker, they're all fighting together as a team, as a unit. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. You? No. Nah. Well, in, in my version, I, I like. Uh, I, all I kept thinking was, there's going to be a moment where the heroes don't even have to intervene. Merman steps in it, yeah. and it's the the moment where he's like, he's he's commanding the ocean life to do stuff, but then he starts commanding Clawful's people. And they're like, it, the Clawful's people are already empowered enough to go, we're right. doing this because we want to do it. And he starts trying to command them. And they're like, no. And he's like, but I command all the ocean life. And, da, 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 da. and then they're like, right. not today. And it's like, well, <laughs> we outnumber you. And they start attacking him. And it's almost like the masters then just look around and they're like, cool. Like, they, you know, right. everything kind of takes care of itself. And they pull Merman into the ocean or whatever, and they, they go after him there. And sure. then that leaves the masters with just like, like you said, cleanup duty at the end. And it's like, okay, you know, that was, right. that was that. And I like that that actually would form a little bit of a rift in even uh, Skeletor's guys then. Cause oh, they, yeah. it'd be the two of them looking at each other going, I don't trust you for anything right. anymore and stuff. We, Cause there we should be these... had them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it wasn't for you, you know, or whatever. And yep. I like the idea that these are tenuous relationships with these evil warriors anyway. 
So yeah. it'd be one more, you know, one one more on the scorecard for that. <laughs> All right, that is definitely remastered there. Remastered. <laughs> All right, guys, and if you, and if there's any story, uh, we've got we've got a tentative schedule going with some of our picks. Um, if there's anything you guys want to see us remaster, uh, go ahead and throw it out. You can throw it in the comments down below. You can find us on Facebook. Any of that. Uh, let us know your stories that you feel need a little remastering. Um, and we'll throw them in there. We'll try to give them the power. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say we'll always succeed, but we'll try. And let us know <laughs> if... Let us know what you think about our fixes for the island here. If that would that would our new and improved version uh, float your boat, or would it sink mm -hmm. like Clawful's uh, spelling grades? <laughs> yeah, what's that again? <laughs> oh lordy! The the shame of that episode to me is I actually liked a lot of it because they were sh any episode where it showed a different side of Eternia that we didn't get from filmation. Yeah. Like uh, you know, going into the underworld of of uh, our, our, our uh, subterranean yeah. and all that, and the Spoleans and stuff. It's like there's there's elements of this show where it's like, yeah, I enjoy that quite a lot, and that's another episode, the island that did it. But yeah, it's it's like <laughs> the the actual the the weight of the story is so weightless compared to yeah. anything else around that era. So whoever planned that out of let's put it right here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the in the scheduling, I I, I don't know if they watched it. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. Oh, but now's the time. You got anything to wrap up with, Sean? I'm good. I just remastered myself. I'm good to go. <laughs> we, had, we had a great filmation Shira episode. We had uh, we had a good remastering. Um. And yeah, and you know what? And today I'm not even going to go into my uh, usual spiel. Um, I'm only I'm only going to have a link down below for Rene Chavez and his GoFundMe uh, to help mm -hmm. his family. Um, take a minute if you can uh, support them if you can if you're able to. I know a lot of people are out of work right now. We don't expect anything. If you can't support them, uh, take the link and share it around. You know, let's yeah. let's help his family out. Yeah, um, agreed. Uh, and, oh, yeah. Go ahead. I did think of one thing. We did get a new review uh, on iTunes, by the way, uh, and, and it was Toy Guy. And I, I'm I really don't remember the numbers. I'm really sorry that I don't <laughs> remember the numbers at the end of your name. But uh, Toy Guy, who uh, had a nice glowing review, so that gave us another five star. And on top of that, I will say to you, yes. P.S. Fisto does roll. He is one of my one of my top three to top five heroic warriors <laughs> of all time for masters. So he's up there for me. So I I'm never going to say that you're wrong in that one. There we go. Thank you, Toy Guy. Um, With numbers. <laughs> With numbers. <laughs> I'm sorry. And we appre we appreciate all you listeners. Um, it's been a blast doing this so far. We look forward to many more episodes. And until next time. Until next time.